1: party
2: tonight yeah! Yeah! Beach party for the most uproariously uninhibited unveiling of today's pagan rites the Simone puberty dance all over again the observing professor is Bob Cummings Dorothy Malone is the professor's assistant who can uh, teach a few things herself after you write this book on sex yeah read it Frankie Avalon and Annette Funicello, two youngsters in love you'll love. You know, the only thing I've studied this semester is you. Well, I hope you don't flunk. Ava Six, a prime asset at any party. Harvey Lemback, a motorcycle matador. Amsterdam, host to hot doggers and beach bunnies. Why not?
1: Keep a moving and a grooving, don't stop now. Don't stop now! Promise me
2: anything but give me love. Secret service spot, where only I know.
3: The grimmage and the hooders never
2: go. Service swinging and
0: surfing. Him Treat him nicely.
1: That's what you should do. Vacation is here. Beach party tonight. What do we hold, sinners? Girls! Yeah!
2: There's an irresistible surge of that urge to romantically merge. It's wild and wonderful when 10,000 kids beat on 5,000 beach blankets. Hey, wall-to-wall girls. (laughs) (laughs) Laughing, loving, living it up. Vacation is here, a beach party tonight. Watch me pull a rabbit out of my hat. Again? Nothing up my sleeve. crystal. <laughs> no doubt about it. I gotta get another hat. Now here's something we hope you'll really like. Hey,
1: the Red Rocker Sammy Hagar here, and you are listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Ah! Uh, woo! Good God! Woo!
0: Welcome, you're joined in Nostalgic Batering Cars, and I'm your show host, Robert, running computers in Google, Tantalk, 1340.com, and you can see us live here in the studios in downtown Claywater. Don't forget to check out our website, Gulfstream Motorsports.com, where you can find out all about us, and if you missed any of our past shows, don't forget to check out our archive page, where you can listen to all 503 or 4 or 5, whatever it is, something like that, shows, and... Don't forget to follow us on what, Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. Good evening,
4: Bobby. How you doing? Yeah, pretty good. How about
0: you? Tommy, how you doing tonight? Oh, just lovely. Just lovely. Okay. Well, you know, we got the Corona team here again. You know, yes. we're, we're. With our mascot, Scrubbing w- Bubbles. With our mascot. You know, we need to contact them about, uh, like I said, you know, uh, a sp-
4: possible sponsorship. Uh, that's here. why I only mentioned them once. That's why I only mentioned them once. once uh, <laughs> then it'll be
0: nostalgic, grading cars, present. Everybody by. out there washing <laughs> their hands. Yeah, we're yeah. washing our hands. Let's do it. And uh, cracking our knuckles, and uh, but okay, we got an exciting show for you. We actually have a very special guest now. It is close to summer; it's spring, so it's getting to be you know beach weather, surf weather, you know summertime. We have no
4: beaches, so we brought you the beaches.
0: We're we're <laughs> going to bring you to the beaches tonight. Yes, that's exactly right. And uh, like I said, we got a very special guest. You know the show; we're all about cars and. Uh, Sometimes guitars and music and stuff like that. So we have a uh, legendary musician coming on this evening. So that should be quite yes. interesting. And uh, Bringing
4: the surf to you.
0: Bringing the surf to you, yes. Last year, was it last year we did Dick Dale or was it the year before?
4: Uh, I think it was the year before we did yes.
0: the summer special. Okay, yeah. And then last year we did something else. So we're going to try to figure out what our theme is going to be. Now, normally we would talk about cars and car shows. And uh, we would tell you to go to flacarshows.com, which we still will, and yep. find
4: out what's going to happen what should
0: happen it's supposed to happen it's
4: not happening but anyway but here i just you know i thought about a a good positive to that what was that she has a uh, there's a list of car show in the box on there so it tells you it's a whole instruction manual on how to put on your own car show so this is a big planning time for people who have had their events cancelled so go ahead and uh review all that and uh see if you some ideas come and uh, use fla car shows for for blogs and uh, there's all kinds of other stuff to read on there so flacarshows.com is more than just car shows that's why i said it's the comprehensive automotive website Well, you know, it's funny you mentioned you said car show in a
0: box, and I was just thinking, um, outside of the fact that I see a lot of people walking around and riding bicycles, and I see a lot of motorcycles on the road, again, cars, you know, as as long as you're cruising and driving, you're social distancing, right? Mm -hmm. Correct? Okay. So what's to stop people from just, you know, especially on weekends? I mean, we've had some really, really great weather here lately. And uh, I think it's a good idea to just, again, I cannot overemphasize this, just drive, tinker. This is a good time to fix stuff. In fact, I was talking to a couple of guys the other day that deal in classic and antique cars, and they said that their business has actually picked up. And that's probably due to the fact that since you can't do much, or some people, or they're working from home, those that are right. fortunate enough to be able to do that, and if you've got the resources uh, and the time and the aptitude and the ability, you might as well just kind of tinker with a car, wrench on it if you're fixing one, but if you've got the financial resources and you don't have one, you've always wanted to buy one, now's a good time to buy one, put it in your garage, and then uh, clean it up, then yep. take it out and drive it.
4: Probably got plenty of work, but you can make little details, make personalize it, mm-hmm. make it your own. Mm-hmm. That's 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 the number one thing right now is get in the garage, put on our uh, 500 shows, and uh, work on your car. Because yes. uh, you got plenty of weeks to... It'll yeah. last you the whole month of April.
0: <laughs> now, the, the big event this summer is, uh, and you hear us talking about it all the time because I generally attend it, and that is Monterey Collector Car Week, and that's in August. Also in August, during the same week, is the Woodward Dream Cruise. Now, I have not heard whether either of those, I know you got access to the computer there, you're pretty quick. Um, I'm not sure whether either of those have been canceled. I do know that many of the events up through June have been either canceled or postponed um you know again like i said you know again nothing's to stop you from tinkering and gathering a couple guys here and there we have a local club we still get together we still meet out in the parking lot you know we don't cough and spit on each other but we do kind of hang around our cars cough and spit though you know they, <laughs> they sit now they
4: sit in a six foot circle like you see on the internet now and everybody sits in their trunk of their oh car. okay yes, that's it yes, yeah. that's what they do that's what they do okay to but uh, anyway make for clarification
0: Yeah, you know, so I was trying to figure out what to do on the show tonight. Now, we're, you know, other than tell stories, you know, and I'm usually pretty good at that. In fact, I was talking to a friend of mine on the way back, and uh, I I, I met this guy the other day that's uh, that's a trucker, and uh, Dr. I.G., or Dr. Fonte, he's probably listening right now, he's our resident pharmacist, uh, he's into big trucks. And uh, so we always talk about his big Peterbilt's and KW's and Mac's and whatever else he's likes to drive and play around with. But I was talking to this guy the other day, and we were talking about DOT. And, then, and I was t- telling him this one story, like, my rollback is my F-350 that I had weighed in at just under 10,000 pounds. And had a GBW of, I think, 12 or 13. So if you see a rollback going down the road, back in the old days in the 70s and 80s, everybody had an F-350 rollback. You know, a lot of us that were, and I was in the wrecking yard business, but tow companies and stuff like that. And technically, our trucks, let's say they weighed, you know, 8,900 pounds, 9,000, you know, something like that. And we put a car on the deck. Oh, that's what it was. I think the GVW might have been, the truck weighed in at yeah, 8,500, I think, something like that. And the GVW might have been 10 or 11. But technically, if you put a five 6,000-pound car on it, you're over your, GV, your gross vehicle weight, your GVW. And the four, 550 that I have now is a, uh, weighs in at 12,000 pounds, just a hair on a 12,000, and has a GVW of 19.5. And I have a 19 and a half foot bed on it where my other truck my f350 had a 17 foot bed but i was going down 66th street and or actually belcher extension cutting over on 90th and the sign out front says no trucks now swanson tools was down there and what was the name of that do you remember the name of the um company that sold the cabinet comp- cabinet parts and stuff like that that was there Anyway, they were down that road, and then there was uh, another um, construction company down there, plus myself. We were all in 90th. Everybody had a truck. And I, and I was telling them the story. I said, FHP was coming the opposite direction. And he went past me, circled around, pulled up behind me, and pulled me over. And I was like 100 yards or so, less than that, maybe a couple hundred yards, whatever it was, from the entrance to the you know, our back lot on 66th Street. Where we used to have nostalgic auto. And uh, so he gets out and walks up to me. And I, you know, back in the old days, you got out of your car and you walked back to the police officer and hand him your driver's license. Nowadays, they don't want you to get out of your car. I mean, hell, I did it here not too long ago and I thought the cop was going to draw down on me. Told me, get back in the car, get back in the car. And I, you know, all right, no wheel, no big deal. But anyway, so uh, he goes, uh, do you know why I pulled you over? And I said, no, not at all. And uh, so he goes, can a license and registration please? So he walks back to his car, comes back up. And he uh, told me first off that I had no business driving down 90th, and I said, really? I said, my shop's down here. And, he said, and I said, why, why am I not allowed down here? He says, you're in a truck, and it says no trucks. I said, well, you've got three construction companies on this truck, oh yeah, Scotty's Development, Land Development, I was down that road. So I said, you got three or four different businesses, and myself, we've been here forever, and we all drive up and down this truck, and there's trucks bigger than mine that go down this road. All right, so that was one issue. Secondly, he, we looked at my registration. Of course, back in the old days, we used to run around dealer plates on our trucks. Okay, so I had a dealer plate on the back of the rollback. So, thirdly, he goes, but that's not why I pulled you over. Why'd you pull me over? He says, because you weren't wearing your seatbelt. Now, that was right about the time, and I'm notorious for this, that was right,
4: wah, ab- wah, wah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that was right about the time when they said, you had to click it or tick it, right? Well, I have proof in the pudding that you don't click it, you will get a ticket. You yeah, got I, ticked. It. I did. Yeah, I that's right. So, anyway, so he gave me a warning for driving down the road and he gave me a warning for the dealer plate, which I disputed, obviously. But I couldn't beat the ticket on the not click it because I still don't click it and I haven't got but two tickets. Which brings me to another story when I was coming back. You from Yeah, we're
4: supposed to do good PSAs here. But oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> public service is not. You please wear your seatbelts. You know. Although I guess the one is, uh, don't drive. Down, don't don't clog up the Memorial Causeway today. <laughs> oh yeah, 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 yeah. But but anyway, so that was that story.
0: And then uh, and then let's see, I was going down 102nd Avenue, which is off of uh, Missouri, or what is it when it goes past Missouri? What does it turn into?
4: Uh,
0: when you're heading down to St. Pete seminal boulevard. boulevard right okay so i made a left on 102nd avenue i was going over to uh, uh at the time i was working for um, hollywood wheels and um so i was heading over there i was in my rollback and i was going across the bridge right there at 102nd by osceola high school or grade school where is it high school or is it osceola fundamental high school yeah that's it right okay so i was going across the bridge next thing you know, fhp pulls up behind me again they love me and all of a sudden the lights go off and i'm thinking what did i do this time i mean i'm in traffic what could i possibly have done right so I pull over, I get out of the truck, and he walks up to me, and he goes, do you know why I pulled you over? That's always, you know, that's the first line the cop goes. He goes, do you know why I pulled you over? And I'm not, not having the slightest idea, I really don't. He says, you just drove over this bridge, and you exceeded the weight limit. And I go, what? And, uh, and I'm thinking, he's, well, at first he walks up, and he goes, you got a 550? I said, yeah. And uh, he goes, uh, well, you exceeded the weight limit. And I'm thinking, I didn't say nothing. World of thumb, keep your mouth shut. And uh, I go, what makes you say that? He says, well, your truck weighs over 10,000 pounds, and the bridge has a 10,000 pound weight limit. And I said, it does. I said, I've been driving over this bridge for like 20 some odd years, or however long it's been here, and I've probably been driving over it with this truck for probably the last 10 years, maybe, and bigger trucks than mine have gone over this, and I said, where's the sign? He goes, or did you see the sign? I said, no, where's the sign? And he goes, it's down there on the bottom of the hill when you come up the thing. Well, it's a little late, because at that point in time, you're already on the bridge. It's like, you know, if it was right when you turn the corner there where CVS is, it'd be okay. But if it's like uh, a few feet before you get to the bridge, it's a little late to turn around. You can't turn around right there. But anyway, so... He was nice enough and gave me a warning, you know, But uh, so I got a stack of warnings. Somewhere I have a stack of citations going back to the 70s, to the early 70s, you know, but uh, I got to find those. But anyway, on that note, I think it's time ta, 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 to fire up the stereo and, uh, you know, like I said, oh, story time. spinning records today. We're spinning records. Yes, we're spinning records. Here's a little, uh, what's this on, Bobby? The first one he picked. Oh, it's called uh, Panic. It's Point Panic. Yeah. yeah. Tommy's pointing at me. And panicking. And his, his pan, I'm panicking. Point Panic by the Safaris. Hey, you're tuning into the Nostalgic Radio Cars. Don't touch that down. We'll be right back.
4: the best brews in Tampa Bay at Dunneen Brewery. Known as Florida's oldest microbrewery, they are always working to create a unique variety of craft beers for every taste. In addition, Dunneen Brewery features a full menu, including everything from their famous wings, burgers, salads, flatbreads, and more. Don't forget about their live music, including the Wednesday Night Players Jam. That's Dunneen Brewery, 937 Douglas Avenue in downtown Dunedin. Visit them online at dunneanbrewery.com.
0: Speeding cars and uh, what was that PSA I did? That was uh, oh, click it or ticket. Where is it? Oh fell? yeah, yeah, we have that one. Yes. Right, We're was also it?
4: really good at charades here. In case you didn't notice. <laughs>
0: Pointing yeah. and panicking. Just panicking, <laughs> Yeah, that's good. That's oh, good. Um, what, what was the
4: other? Well, we've actually given out a lot of PSAs. You got the. you got wash your hands. We got. Don't. Driving to the beach is probably not a. Well, that's idea. funny.
0: Well, you know? what's funny because when I when I when I head over to Tampa every once in a while, and I'm going across the was that thing called Courtney Camel Causeway? Yes, like that, that is dark,
4: yeah.
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. So although there's never, you, you don't see anybody on the beach on this side, or the beach on the Benty Davis side, but you do see people running and jogging and fishing so, and having a good time. That's times. why they're
4: parked along the side of State Road yeah. sixty there.
0: Yeah. So there's you know there's ways to get around it. I mean I,
4: will, I, will, I think that's a little a little close to the highway there, but uh, I guess if that's the only way that you can jog jog on there.
0: Well no, they actually have a parking area, so there are actually, people are actually in the parking areas. Well so that's
4: on the boat ramp side. On the boat ramp side? Yes. You can park at the boat ramp. Oh
0: mm-hmm. then they're going across the street and then jog. No, right, but
4: there's also uh, I don't know if there were when you were that there were cars parked on the side of the. On the off ramp, right there, at the bridge. And
0: did you notice when you drove by?
4: Yeah, I wouldn't. I oh. was a little. Well, I want them doors swinging out in 60 mile an hour road, but. Is not
3: like an access road there.
4: No, the gates I, closed on the the, gate's on, closed. The, on that. So the Pinellas Trail to me seems like a safer uh, safer bet because uh, they got plenty of parking areas uh, all along the downtown Clearwater. You can park and you know all, well, all you kinds know, of places there, and it's a good good long trail. Yeah, you know, but I mean, again,
0: if everybody just kind of oh, get fresh air, yeah, that's fresh air. Right. I mean, yeah. Well, you know, on the social distancing thing, yep. I get yep. all that, you know, mm-hmm. and you know, But what's interesting is what I go by the golf course here every once in a while, Belvie Biltmore, when I cruise down there, and every morning there's just tons of people out on the golf course. So, so. that
4: is uh one cart per one person per cart uh, rule, and they you're the only sport that's able to. Easily practice social distancing because they stay away from each other as it is.
3: And no uh, touching the flag yes, pins. Yes. 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 No
4: touching right. the flag pins. Yes. So, so they were able to. They're able to uh, follow the rules while. Uh, the flag is always in. Flag is always in. Is it really? Um, I, uh, where was
0: I? I? Drove by and it seemed to me I saw some people playing tennis. Oh, I don't know about that one. Well, that was at uh, some place I was cutting down some side road. Now I don't know if it was a. You know, kinda of like one of those residential communities where they have a um yeah, a, that could a, be. A private, you know and maybe what you do is you make uh appointment to use a tennis court and if you're two I mean stop. And uh, if you're, about, if you're, you're s-
4: related, if you live in the same household, I think you can
0: Is that the way it is? Okay, used. so if you and I wanted to play, we just go in there and we can play. It's
4: the same way with golf too. Yes, you only, it's only yeah, oh, it's only related people well, that can play? Can 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 ride on the same card or something wow. like that. Anyway, I got figure it figured out. It's good.
0: All right. Now, speaking of which, um, it is the fourteenth. Ah, yes. And in a month from now, less than a month from now, on the thirteenth is our ten year. Mm. What date does that fall on? Is our ten year anniversary?
4: Yeah. Let me see. So
0: we're see. trying to come up with a surprise guest. We won't mention who it is. Wednesday. It's on a Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Okay. So this will be on a Tuesday before. So it will be the twelfth then, right?
4: Yeah.
0: Tommy, our show will be on the twelfth then, May twelfth. Our anniversary show. Um. That is correct, sir. That is ah, correct. Yes. Do I win the prize? Ding, 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 Okay, you know. Oh, there it is, yeah. Well, 12 always is before the 13, so you. Is it? Okay, I'm good. I'm Had an to. extra hint there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I think I learned that in school once, you know. I think uh, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, hey, 12. Getting so
3: generous with the bell in
0: there. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Did you Did you just put some scrubby uh, bubbles yeah, on yes, that? Uh-oh, you better and wash your hands right now. And then
4: after, and then I wipe my hands after. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Just, just, just to, so the camera can see there. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, yep.
0: Right, right. Okay. So we will have our. Be sure and tune in. Now we are going to be relentless here. We're going to be doing our show every week. We're yep. not really intimidated by any of the stuff that's going on because I'm not going to get political, but I don't buy into it. But anyway, we're just just to be on the safe side. Just to be on the safe side. Let's all wash our hands and keep our distances and you know kind of do a thing. Actually, I kind of like it a little bit because it's kind of like you know uh, people are more. I don't know. Well,
4: hopefully they'll just keep it up.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, But although the other day I had to go to, uh, what was that place called? Walmart or something like yeah, that? Yeah, no, uh, no,
4: we're not going to. And I had to get some to odds do.
0: and ends in there, some <laughs> little things I needed, and then uh, cat food and whatever else I had to get. What did to get something. Yes, cat food. Cat food. No, it was, but I had to get something else. Oh, I know. Jeans. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. I went in to go get a pair of jeans because I have ripped all my clothes to shreds over the last... You know guys are like that i mean women are different but guys will wear their pants till they're shredded and i and then we shred them some more and we turn them into grease rags so mine were the, to put a point where i couldn't even put my keys in my pocket they'd fall through and everything was shredded so i had to go get some jeans well if they're work jeans you know uh, i don't like to buy you know my levi's i usually buy just like some cut rate jeans Hang on, I can't take down all the bills we have to send out here. Oh, okay, okay, okay. But anyway, so what I did is I went and got some cut rate jeans, and then,
4: okay.
0: but they didn't have the relaxed fit that I normally wear, so I had to get with a regular thing. So I asked if I could try them on.
4: Yeah, no, you can't do that.
0: And they said no, you can't do that. In fact, the lady at at Walmart said that uh, they took her keys. She has no keys to any of the. Uh, the management took all the keys away from him, so they cannot use the uh, dressing rooms. And I said, "Okay, fine." I said, "What happens if they don't fit?" She says, "Well, you just take bring them back home and bring them back." Take them home and bring them back. I said, "Okay." That, uh, I wasn't quite sure how that kind of works, you know, because if you couldn't do the dressing room thing, but I take it home and then try them on, they don't fit, and I bring yeah. them back. What do you do? Sterilize them? I mean, I have no idea. You got me.
3: They jumped into the men's room and tried them on. <laughs> yeah, well, I,
0: <laughs> really. Yeah, that's <laughs> an idea. I should have done. I should have did that. Well, then they would have. And, and then, then brought then he, him right back. Yeah, yeah. but I went ahead to pay for him first. And then, but anyway, all right, so right. I think it's time to go ahead and fire up the stairs. Let's get our guest on the show here real quick. Enough of this uh, yakety yak. Uh, let's talk back. Anyway, hey, you're tuning to Nostalgic Getting Cars. I think uh, now here is a cool song. Yep, you're tuning to Nostalgic Getting Cars. Don't touch that We'll be right back.
1: the strip and cartwheels into the air. He scatters parts all over the area. Luckily, all he got was a scratch on his forehead. Day. First, it's class against class in the Little Eliminator category. The Flintstone Flyer versus Old Reliable. With unequal classes running, the handicap system goes into effect. This gives the little guy with a good car a fighting chance in the final elimination. The F-Gasser takes off, and then the A-Factory Experimental job. But Dave Coppel can't hold his lead. Dave Strickler comes on to win the Heat. Next up, Jim Wangers versus Jim Johnson. B Factory Experimental takes the modified sports car, and the stage is set for the final elimination. Only a small handicap this time. But Wangers jumps the gun, and Dave Strickler wins the Little Eliminator trophy with an elapsed time of 12.1 seconds.
3: This is the legendary guitarist Dick Dale, and you are listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Listen to the thunder. Nice. Okay, we're
0: back. You tuning into Nostalgic Freedom Cars. It's time to introduce our special guest for the evening. This gentleman is the co-founder, songwriter, rhythm guitarist for the legendary and popular group out of the '60s, the Safaris. He's also a Musicians Hall of Fame inductee. I'm delighted to welcome to the show this evening, Bob Berryhill. Bob, how you doing?
3: Oh, doing great. Uh, it's a beautiful day here in uh, Nashville.
0: In Nashville, yeah. So, uh, what kind of weather you guys got up there? Oh,
3: it's going to be cold tonight, but it's a beautiful day, nice sunshine, the spring trees are all growing their leaves in, and uh, it's really nice here.
0: Excellent. So tell us about the Musicians' Hall of Fame. Now, a few years ago, my son and I were at NAMM, which is usually in the summertime, which is the, what's that stand for again, Bobby?
4: National Association of Music Merchants.
0: That's right. (laughs) He's better at it than I am. But anyway, so uh, we went to go see the Musicians' Hall of Fame, but it was closed that day, that um, the Monday, the Monday is that what it was on the Monday? Okay, but anyway, so you uh, were inducted in when? 2019 is that
3: when it was? Yeah, it was October uh, 22nd, uh, 2019. Right.
0: So what's that? What's that uh, experience like? What's that uh, that uh, event like? I mean, how? What? What? What transpires there?
3: Well, Joe Chambers, who's the director of the museum, is a fantastic guy. He really loves uh, to promote musicians. Uh, especially session musicians and recording artists of all types. And it was like a crowning glory experience. We were at the Skirmerhorn Theater right in the middle of Nashville, and they had like 2,500 people packed out in the auditorium. and They just did a really well-organized, everybody was uh, treated very well backstage, and uh, the crew that did the TV, which it will be televised sometime this summer, um, in the dressing rooms we had, had several guys who were special musicians got to know for the first time and one of my idols from childhood Brenda Lee actually walked oh, wow. into the room and, and she was one of the presenters and had gotten a, um, an award I think previously uh, just Vince Gill just a whole spectrum of, of musicians and artists were there and they did such a great job of just like say, the way it was organized to stay at the Westin Hotel here in middle of Nashville it was just a beautiful beautiful experience.
0: Now the difference between the Musicians Hall of Fame and the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is Musicians Hall of Fame my understanding is it's pretty much uh, honors everybody that was that plays music uh, regardless of the instruments regardless of the genre where rock and roll is more rock and roll oriented or rock oriented correct is that really the difference?
3: Yes, it's it's really uh, based on the session musicians like the Wrecking Crew and the guys out of uh, Muscle Shoals. Uh, a lot of the people that are that played on maybe a thousand hit records, uh, their equipment is there. They have a, a, a booth for their musician, their instruments, and you know memorabilia, all kinds of pictures. They've got like Roy Orbison, the guitar. They've got Dwayne Eddy. They've got uh, just you know a whole spectrum of people from pit pianists, uh, guitar players, bass players, uh, vocalists. It's really a music it's where I think their their theme is come and see what you've heard. So okay. It's a great place to experience the uh, the real world you might say of, of musicians across the board.
0: Now I understand you have a uh, one of your amplifiers is in there, correct?
3: Yes, it's my original 63 uh, Fender Reverb unit.
0: Oh, okay, cool. Yeah.
3: When I was. I I, go ahead. Oh, that and, and records and photographs were in the, the room with the Beach Boys and, and Jan and Dean and and those kind of people. It was kind of the surf room, you might say.
0: Okay. Well, I know when Bobby and I were there, besides Man, Nam, we went to uh, Carter's Vintage Guitars and we also went to Gruen's because those are the two most uh, well known vintage guitar places there, uh, and Nashville, actually, in the southeast, I think, right?
3: Right, correct. That's actually a groom's guitar. That's where I met uh, Joe Chambers about 10 years ago, and and, uh, we were sitting there. My son and I, Devin, were playing uh, some surf music, as we do, and he walked up and said, hey, uh, what are you guys doing? And we introduced ourselves, and he said, well, hey, we'd like to get you into this museum. So that kind of started a a real uh, relationship there that's uh, grown over the years
0: cool all right now take us back to the early days surf music and uh and how old were you when you when you first picked up the guitar
3: uh well i officially started when i was eight years old okay uh started playing basically country western music my parents were into uh sort of the whole grand old opry musical stars and so i'd sit around and and listen to that music i listened to all the guitar players um steel guitar players from the country area and then also of course the rock and roll guys that were playing guitar so i kind of fell in love with the whole you know starting with rockabilly and kind of working up until the early 60s when surf music started to uh, unfold and that kind of was a natural dovetail in there for me
0: now sir i play a little guitar and i and and i'm from northern cal i think you're, are you originally from what the glendale area is that where you're from originally
3: it's uh, glendora
0: glendora okay L A. L A. la area right it's, yeah, it's east of LA, about 35, 40 miles. Okay, and so in the early '60s, you know, hot rods, drag racing, road racing, surf music was, you know, like the the big thing. And so, surf music is it. Uh, if you had to, if you were going to pick up the guitar, that's obviously the first song I ever learned. No lie, was "Wipeout." You know, it's pretty yeah. easy, and that's just you know. But what I thought was cool about surf music is you can really kind of finger it. You know, when you're you're just you, know, it's just you know, two or three fingers, and you can kind of play some pretty cool melodies and stuff. And so, did you find surf music relatively easy compared to some of the other stuff that you played? Because are well, you lead or rhythm?
3: Well, I was lead and rhythm. Okay, I played rhythm on Wipeout particularly, but I did play lead on other songs. And Jim Fuller, who was the other guitar player, we would trade back and forth depending on the song. I played a lot of, I played Ventures, Dwayne Eddy, Rumble, Rebel Rouser, you know, those kinds of songs were kind of the melody kinds of songs that I really loved, Mm -hmm. and Jim Fuller was more interested in Dick Dale type of music, so he would play Miser Lou and those kind of things, so I kind of uh, sort of swung between both kinds of music, you might say.
0: Was, did you find it? I mean, is it relatively... Surf music, would you say it's relatively easy? If somebody wanted to pick up the guitar and, and, and learn a genre of music, would you say surf music is relatively easy?
3: Well, it's one of those things where it really really makes really great garage band music. Okay. Because you don't take, it doesn't take much uh, skill to play, ryth, play rhythms and, and bass lines. Uh, the lead parts can be quite tricky because they are very uh it's the lead vocal of the song okay so you have to be very astute to the nuances you might say of leading a band because we're all following the lead guitar and the bass has to follow it and the drums and everybody has to follow a focus and so it does take uh, ability to stay in tempo ability to lead like you're singing you know, leading the band in a vocal. Mm -hmm. So it has those kind of qualities to it. But the main thing was the feel. Um, That's why when, uh, in the early 60s, when Dick Dale was working with Leo Fender, uh, Dick Dale was playing at the Rendezvous down in Balboa, and he needed louder and louder amps to get more and more sound pressure to get, you know, to really make a crowd of 3,000 people hear it. Mm -hmm. Because in those days, we didn't have sound reinforcement. Like we have today, you can use a little 10-inch speaker and and fill a stadium with a multi-million dollar sound system, you know. But in those days, we had to play it, we had to have a a loud enough amp to go over the drums because the drums are very loud in an enclosed facility, like a gymnasium or uh, an auditorium. And so we would have to get bigger and bigger amps. In fact, the first amp I had, I had a little 10-inch speaker, Fender, uh, Tweed amp, and, you know it, it. I had to step up to the bandmaster, which had two 12s, because our first concert was in a gymnasium, and we all—the rhythm guitar player, myself, the bass player, the lead guitar—all played through my one amp, <laughs> and Ronnie had his drums. So it was—we had to split up and get into different amps to be able to hear the differences and the nuances of the different uh, portions of the music.
0: Um. I think Dick Dale, because he was on our show a couple of years ago, I think when him and uh, Leo Fender they came up with the, you know, obviously the reverb's the big case, but I guess it was called the Front Man or something like that. It was kind of like a play on, you know, Dick Dale being the Front Man, you know, and in in, in a band and everything like that. Did you ever use one of those uh, amps? Because they had.
3: Well, the amp that was really his signature amp was called the Showman.
0: Oh, the Showman. That's what it was. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, that was...
3: yeah. well, that's what happened. I mean,. Uh... Leo was in Santa Ana, California, Fullerton area, mm-hmm. and Dick was living, playing down at the Rendezvous. Well, that's still Orange County. Well, anyway, they got together, and, and Leo would bring him a, an amp and say, okay, play this thing and see if he can break it. Well, <laughs> he'd break it, come back, Leo would rebuild it, make it stronger, and so they came up with, like, 60 to 80-watt uh, heads for these two 15-inch JBL speakers that could handle the sound pressure. I mean, Dick was playing literally two, two, two of those sets, two, you know, like four 15 inch speakers, twin heads. And then the reverb unit was just kind of like the icing on the cake. However, that was, you know, the reverb unit came later. In fact, Dick didn't even use the reverb unit on his Surfer's Choice album. He played the whole thing just through studio reverbs. But it was one of those things where with Leo building the instrument, and Dick creating the sound, that was the match. And then then we had to create a dance called the Surfer Stomp to go with the music. So We went from the bop, you know, and the early you know the early dances, to the Surfer Stomp, which made the whole thing work together as a package.
0: Interesting, interesting. Now, how did who was kind of like the most inf- influential surf? music musician of the era that kind of had an influence on everybody else back in the day would well, have Dick Dale or We was, were
3: coming we were coming out of the basically like songs like Torquay and Rebel Rouser uh, Link Ray, Link Ray right. you know yeah you know, his things and the Ventures uh, so it it depends on who you were listening to in other words our band with the four of us we were all bringing our influences into the band. That's why I was doing rhythm guitar at the time, because I really loved the rhythms that the Ventures did, and then Jim Fuller really loved the driving guitars of Dick Dale, so we kind of balanced each other out. Where I was putting in more of a melodic, rhythmic background, he was doing the full-on setting in a 10 on, on the reverbs, and just twanging, you know, just really going deep in reverb. And then Ron Wilson, the drummer, Ronnie... If you think of the drummer for Led Zeppelin and The Who, the drummers that were really wild and crazy guys, I mean, they just really had a big sound. Ronnie was like that. He was a showman drummer that would just take over the stage with his antics of dancing around the drums, jumping on his drums and playing with huge sticks. And he was just loud and raucous. So we kind of had to put our music around the drums. because. I guess I call it lead, drums. <laughs> lead so drum. For our band, the Safaris, the main thing is that we had such a great drummer that we could add our guitar licks around it, and just got bigger and bigger amps, and we just we just had a raucous sound that was just outrageous, and people loved it.
0: Where did the name Safaris? How did that originate? Where did that come about?
3: Well, when we were in the recording studio to do Wipeout, they kind of asked us. They said, "Boys, what do you want to call the band?" Because they're going to have to print it. On the label, and we cut. The, we started thinking about well, the Beach Boys have kind of a surfing safari thing going, and the safari was already a term going on a safari to go mm-hmm. surfing. And we said, well, why don't we change the first three letters? The surfaris, S U R F A R I S. We thought we were being real clever, called the Safari, and so that's what got put on the record.
0: Tell us about the song Wipeout. How did it originate? I mean, I know it's legendary, but uh, for my listeners, I'd like you to tell a story.
3: Yeah, definitely. Well, you know, Wipeout was the um, second or B-side to our DFS-45. What happened was, is Ron Wilson, the drummer, was also a vocalist. He sang like the Beach Boys and and those kinds of singers, and so one night he comes into the studio in Azusa, California, um, where we rehearsed, and he said, Hey, Bob, I had a dream about a song called Surfer Joe. And so we started singing the words. And so, as a band, I helped remo- put the music together and we started rehearsing the song. And pretty soon we got it down where it seemed like a pretty nice little tune. And our manager, Dale Smallin, who did the laugh on the way out, came in and said, Hey, boys, that's a great song. Let's go record it. So, what we did is we said, Okay, let's record that song. So, we met on a December evening, uh, just a little bit before or a little after Christmas, right in December. It was a cold night in my driveway, and the four of us showed up, uh, Ron Wilson, Pat Conley, Jim Fuller, myself, Bob Berryhill, in the driveway with Dale Smallen drives in, and it's Chrysler Imperial <laughs> with the big fins on it. Yeah. Anyway, he, uh, he pulls in and says, okay, boys, we're going to go, but I need, we need 150 bucks go do this recording and so naturally the other three guys didn't have any money and so I stood there and I said well I'll go ask my mom So I went in the house and she wrote me a check for 150 bucks and I came back outside and, and gave it to Dale and said let's go so anyway we get to the studio and here it is uh, a guy named Paul Buff who was later on had a photographic business and studios here in Nashville at a studio called Powell Rickards and we went out to his studio in a little town, a ghost town actually called Cucamonga, and that's no joke. There's actually a Cucamonga. Yep. yep. Uh, he was in this little, it was like an old Carl's shoe store along a, just an abandoned set of buildings. And we knocked on the door, and the door creaks open like Andrew's Sanctum, you know, this creaking really loud. <laughs> and here's he this little guy, uh, looked like a leprechaun with red hair, jumps out and says, "Hi, I'm Paul Buff." They <laughs> said okay, so we came into a studio, and Paul had created his own environment there. In other words, the studio was like the fifth Beatle. You know, he played the studio as if he was a, it was another instrument. He so he because he knew exactly in the room where to put the drums and the amps and the bass and everything and the vocal mics, and he had his own little uh, sound room that he'd created. He was a marine who'd learned electronics. And when he got out, built his own studio. So We had all this homemade gear it was a little three-track monaural studio. It wasn't even stereo at that time on quarter-inch reel-to-reel tape. So anyway, he, he's got that set up, and he says, okay, you be here, 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 sets us up, and says, okay, let's do your song. And so we recorded Surfer Joe. Well, Surfer Joe gets recorded, and, and Ronnie sings the vocal. We, got, we overdubbed the vocal because they, they did at least do that one. So they overdub the vocal up from the mic, and, and everybody gets done with it. And he goes, okay. He goes on the talkback button. He says, boys, you need a second song for your 45. And we go, well, we didn't write another song. He said, well, it's time, or we'll put Surfer Joe on both sides of the 45. And we said, well, we don't want to do that. So Ronnie starts playing the drum beat, the wipeout drum beat, just as a, a fill, just starts doing it. And I go well. We better put some rhythm, lead, and bass on this, or there'll be a drum solo like Sandy Nelson or something. And so the bass player starts going da ba da bounda, and then I brought in some rhythm, and then we started putting some drum breaks on it. And the and the bass there was a bass line that went da 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 and Jim Fuller goes da 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 He just followed it along, uh, which he did naturally, and that became kind of the, the basis. And I said, okay, let's. Let's break it up. We'll put some drum solos in the middle. Because you, we had to give Ronnie a solo, uh, because that's who he was. He was going to take it anyway. So we made the <laughs> drum break as an arrangement. I chose the key of B as in boy, uh, because every song we'd played for the last three months had been an E or A, and I was tired of that sound. So I, let's just move it up to a thinner range, so it gave it a little bit more punch. And we turned on the reverse, the reverb, and the music, and... We recorded it once. I said, "Okay, let's try it again." We went back, recorded it again, and they said, "Okay, one more time for the Gipper. So we got one third more time, and they go, "Okay, we got it." And they said, "Well, what are you going to call it?" And we go, "Well, uh, uh, let's see." <laughs> Jim Fuller goes up to the microphone and clicks a switchblade that he's had out of his um, out of his pocket. He'd been to. Tijuana the weekend before. Clicks <laughs> it and goes. He goes click switchblade, and uh, naturally any PA guy or any sound guy's going to go. That click was anemic. We need something that's going to do more noise. So my dad goes on to the back alley behind this place, brings in a cement soap piece of plywood. Well, Pat Conley, the bass player, grabs it and breaks it next to the microphone, and it sounds like a busting surfboard. And we're going, wow. But there's already a song called Bustin' Surfboard, so we can't use that. But how do you bust a surfboard? You wipe out. And so then Dale Spallman comes out of the sound room, the manager, up to the microphone, and goes, ha,
2: ha, 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 wipe
3: out. But the crack, the laugh, the song, two weeks later, we had a 45.
0: And the rest is history.
3: And the rest was typical, there's a whole other story there, but... It's the typical uh, that thing you do program. Wow! Uh, all the way, all the way to the very end.
0: That's a cool story. That's a cool story. That's that's uh, that's neat. The... Now, your uh, weapon of choice, guitar <laughs> instrument, was uh, uh, obviously a Fender. And uh, which ones were they yeah. that you used back in the early days?
3: Well, I had a Fender Telecaster. Okay. And then I bought a Jazzmaster. And in fact, our bass player didn't have a bass guitar the first three months we played, he used my telly with two finger chords up and down the neck. Uh You know, that's what he used for bass. He didn't have a bass guitar until the first night when we recorded Wipeout, he actually borrowed a harmony bass guitar from his cousin and brought it to the studio. So at least we had a bass guitar on Wipeout. And then so Jim Fuller always played a Strat. I, I had the telly, the Jazzmaster and the Jaguar when it came out in 64 because I wanted to vary my tone uh, per song. So when we'd write a song, I'd say, well, that'd sound great with a telly, that'd sound great. Jazzmaster, Jaguar, you know, we kinda, I kind of did those things where Fuller kind of stuck with the Strat, and Pat played a precision bass all the time, and then Ronnie changed drums from a Ludwig, which he did Wipeout with, to, uh, I like think he went on to Camco and a, a few other sets that he had.
0: Interesting, interesting. Um, so, where are we? Got a few minutes left. So, where is uh, Bob Berryhill today? You're in Nashville, Tennessee. Are you recording? Are you still doing music? Are you touring? Tell uh, tell our listeners uh, where they can find out more about you and what you're up to. Yeah,
3: yeah. Uh, we're in Nashville here. We're still touring. We're still recording. Uh, I've been continuously doing this safari gig since I was 15 years old. That's how old. We were when we wrote Wipeout. Wow. So I've been still touring. Uh, my wife has become my bass player and business partner in Salt Talk Music, which is our publishing uh, uh-huh. part of the business. And then my uh, young son, Joel, is the drummer. And my other son, Devin, is the guitar player. And we, we do like what the original Safaris did. We trade back and forth leads. He's got a few songs he likes to play better. And I like to play a few other ones, and we trade off back and forth of We've been playing together since 2000. So it's wow. been, what, 20, 20-some years now that the, the four of us have been together. Of course, my two sons were not born when I made Wife out, of course. But as they gotten older, they've wanted to be in the band. And, of course, uh, Jim Fuller passed away in 2017, and, and Ron Wilson in, in uh, 1989. And so I'm, and Pat Conley, the bass player, he's still alive. He doesn't play anymore. But basically, I'm the last man standing, still using the Safari's name when we're out there. And we put together a great show of what, what the history of surf music is all about.
0: Are there any tour dates planned in Florida?
3: Well, at this point, we're, we're working with a new agent. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we, we're starting to plan. And definitely, Florida is a place we love to play. Uh, so we'd love to come back down there. So you got any agents hanging around... We'd love to book us. We'd love to come down there.
0: Well, that's something we can talk about. We're always kind of looking to put together something with car shows, and uh, it's great to have a really cool 60s band with a really cool 60s car show. So we'll definitely yeah. uh, keep you in mind on that. And uh,
3: Definitely. Uh, yeah, let us know. We're definitely available. We're putting things together right now. so. Yeah, so get something going.
0: Now, what we didn't get to talk about because, but we only have thirty seconds left. Is I know you were telling oh. me that back in the day you raced a sixty-four Ford with a four
3: twenty-seven in it, right? Exactly. Yeah. In fact, I have a blown-up clutch story real quickly. Okay. I was on my one of my uh, runs, and it blew out the uh, clutch, but it actually blew the third member out. The uh, carrier housing cracked and oh. broke at the same time. Broke axle. So I had I was going sideways down the Pomona Drag way at 110 miles an hour and pulled it out, fortunately, at the end and uh, got the stop before I hit the fence. So uh, it was a great ride.
0: Wow. Okay. Well, Bob, we're definitely going to have to get you back on the show again. And uh, I want to yeah. thank you very much for uh, coming on uh, Nostalgic Radio Cars and sharing some stories with us and uh, the origin of the safaris and the great tunes that you guys did. Uh, obviously, Surfer Joe and Wipeout, are well-known, and then, what did I play here? Point... Uh, Point panic, <laughs> point panic, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm point panic. So, uh, but hey, I, I'm I'm just thrilled to have you on. Um, I mean, for me, it's kind of very special growing up in Northern California, having the records back in the day, you know, and 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 being around all that surf scene. That's pretty far out. So again, Bob, I want to wish you the best of luck. Thank you very much for coming on our show, and uh, look forward to seeing you sometime.
3: Okay, well, definitely uh, look forward to it. Thank all you right. very much. Thank-
0: remember, surf's up. Surf's up, that's right. Hey, I want to thank all my listeners for tuning into to Nostalgic Radio Cars. Don't forget to check us out here every Tuesday night for the most legendary and fascinating names in motorsports and music right here at Nostalgic Radio Cars and the Sand Talk Radio Network. Don't forget, follow us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, check out our website, Motorsports.com. Our 10 year anniversary show is coming up. In the meantime, everybody stay safe, drive carefully, and love your family.